and welcome to Seize the GM. If you're looking to get started GMing, we're here to help. And if you're a GM with a few levels under your experience belt, we are here to help you find your prestige class. Let us take you through some common questions, concerns, and the fun challenges that every GM will face. We have our ideas, our opinions, and some might even say answers that we want to share. So pull up a chair, dust off your dice, and let us help you seize the GM. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Seize the GM. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, or whenever you are listening to this. Thanks for joining us, guys. And now, gentle creatures, you will have an episode unlike any other episode of Seize the GM before now. Yeah, actually. Maybe may never have again. <laughs> I believe you may actually be correct. I don't think we've ever done one like this. Yeah, no. I do my research. Yeah, we yeah, but there's research, but then you gotta remember it's like, you know, we can't control the past, but we can't control what we'll do in the future. So maybe this will be only once. Ooh, unless you guys like it, and then we might want to do another one. It's true. So but what exactly are we doing? Cutting, no <laughs> cutting to that chase. Yeah, there's a lot of just a chance to banter and hang out, but also answer some questions uh, from each other, but also I think from our Discord meet, that's a members. Am I right? Yes, we actually had uh, two people. I don't yep. know if Twitter has actually um, And and Zippy, who's not really on our Discord because he's way too bloody busy, he did have one question. Who? My husband, Zippy. Oh. Uh -oh. I thought it would be a good one. You know, it's like for, you know, so I do have that question as well. But like I said, he's not really big into doing Discord. So I'm like, all right, I'll bring it up. <laughs> so so who on our Discord gave us some questions? Well, there's Liak. He gave us like five or six. High fives, Liak. And uh, then uh, Rob. Awesome. Yay! Rob, who is one of our patrons. Who, uh, we love also, you, Rob. We love you, Liak. Thank you for giving us questions. Insert the requisite podcast plug here that if you'd like to support us on Patreon, please find a link in the show notes and the website. Also, like, rate, and review wherever you hear this podcast. It really will help other people find us. Mm -hmm. Yay! And here's the bonus thing, guys. Like A lot of these podcasts are going to be dropping near the holidays, so I know a lot of us are kind of cooped up. So if you've got a gaming family, and I know some of uh, you wonderful listeners do, this might be something, you know, it's like, you know, after, after, after all the munching or after all the decorating, you just need to relax. You can sit with your, your little, uh, you know, little quarantine pod and maybe listen to us. Since this is going to be a little different, might be a little fun to sit around and listen. That is true. That is true. So... You know what? I am just going to dive into one of the very first questions that we got. Go for it. All right. As a GM, what was your favorite PC's characters? And why do you feel so? Like our own, I'm wondering, is like the PCs that we've run a game for, like you had the most fun running for, or our own PCs? You can do both. I would say because you're he's he's asking as the GM, so your players. Mm -hmm. What was your favorite player's character that they brought to the table? Uh, Zan, you want to start? <sighs> um, I know mine. Oh, but this is going to sound totally like I'm I'm pandering, but it's not. And it's actually my wife made a character for uh, our D&D 3.5 game that I ran for probably about three years that was set in Eberron. And this was when the Eberron game only had like one 
real book, maybe two or three others. Mm -hmm, but there mm -hmm. wasn't a whole lot written about the dragon marked houses. So basically we created our ent the entire culture for like every single dragon marked house in the Eberron game. And then when they released it, it was like ours was way cooler in our eyes. So we were like, yeah, we're not using that. We're just going to keep using what we did. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah. And she would she would write stories. She would write all this background information up and everything else. Like, because her character would interact with all of the different dragon marked houses. So she had the kind of this was my house and then how she interacted with all the others. And it was really cool how she did it. So yeah, that she did a, awesome. a really good job of helping bring the game world to life for all the other players too. Well, Mrs. Zen is indeed awesome. So I'm not surprised that she came up with something that awesome. Yeah. So. We spent a lot of time, like just back and forthing like ideas on it. So it must've been fun. It was. It was a lot of fun. So what about you? All right. Uh, my One of my dearest and, and amazingest friends, uh, Gwenny. Uh, Gwenny actually is the one that got me into wall climbing for exercise. So I love him so much. But the first time I introduced Gwen to Little Fears, they came up with a character that the concept was the most crazy, cool, neat, just... It was a seven or eight year old kid, you know, that was, was, you know, very Jewish, but wanted to be a professional WWE wrestler when they grew up. So Gwen came up with this entire character around, you know, a Jewish folklore and, and, and certain like kind of religious practices and making that their wrestler persona and built like, you know, she, and, um, they they had like this like Star of David like paper mache uh, wrestling belt, you know that made them super strong and 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 what it did is like they could do cool acrobatics off like the monkey bars and stuff like that. And she's got a lot of she's studied the daylights out of it just to make That's sure that right. everything was in like right and proper with the uh, with religious tenements. And, you know, it was absolutely delightful because you know, I learned a couple of bits there. I'm like, oh, I didn't know about, you know, you know, certain like myths and folklore. And yeah. they did. So I learned that. I'm like, all right, I'm writing that down. I'm writing that down. Just so one, I could I could learn some new stuff. And by letting them just kind of go as hogwild with a the concept, they really got into little fears and the idea. and being allowing them to go kind of like hog wild crazy you know they really got invested and you know would work and spent a lot of extra time just writing up like backstories of like doll fights they would have you know pretending to yeah. be wrestlers i mean and this is the first time they've played it so how awesome is that that's pretty cool <laughs> i wish i could really remember cool. the wrestling name that uh, gwen gave that character I can't for the life of me. <laughs> it, it was, it was so, it was, it, it was really epic, but uh, I wish I could remember it. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So what do you got, Garamange? I think one of my favorite characters to, to ever run for came from a, a champions game, superheroes. And the particular setting and, and all of that is not terribly important, but a friend of mine made a, a combination of the uh, pompous, arrogant character and the complete um, naive uh, fish-out-of-water kind of character. Uh, and so it, it was that really fun kind of dichotomy where he got to play up both that Ha ha! But also, what is this crosswalk sort of thing? <laughs> and it wasn't something I expected from him when when the character was made. And it was a lot of fun to have those moments and those interactions, and just just the occasional question out of the blue that then the characters got to react to, and we all tried not to completely fall over laughing. 
Yeah. That is hilarious. It sounds like they really got into the kind of over cheesy, haha, Superman, like early, early Superman, like cartoon kind of a hype thing. Basically, an alien, that's an alien Superman type, you know, uh, think Marvel's Eternals. Oh. Okay, that oh, sounds. Yeah. Sounds so cool. And then. I'm just, I'm just, oh my God, I'm just, oh my gosh. I got to ask, what was the, your favorite question they posited that just kind of broke the game for a few seconds? The crosswalk. <laughs> High five, that is really brilliant. That is good. Okay. So what, what is our next query? Well, let's see. He's got one, two. Skip to someone else since we've got multiples there. We'll we'll cycle around if we can. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Do 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 do. Uh, hmm. Okay, this is actually a really simple one. How many players do you prefer to have in a game? Uh, I like five to six. Hmm. Well, if it's if it's usually if it's a horror game, I try and I like going like smaller, like three to four, mostly because the bigger you get, it's easier for one person to pop a joke and kind of break the uh, the magic. That immersion. But for but for um, more actiony or something like that, I say four to five. You know, for like D and D or Champions or. Uh, heck, even Deadlands, because then you can get a nice little variety of stuff you can bring in. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's kind of where I'm falling. You've got the five-man band kind of trope and, and, and grouping that is easy for players to kind of find their niche. You've got uh, just kind of that, that basic structure in gaming as far as how those characters affect the world, and... Yeah, six lets you, you know, kind of start having the fun, free safety, weirdo, something not quite right or needed uh, character. And so that five to six is, I think, the sweet spot. Okay. Okay. See, and I, I sit firmly on the four for most games. I think for for anything that's not I'm going to say that like if you're doing something that's like epic then you can I can probably get away with five or six but generally speaking I don't usually run games that are like that very often unless I'm running like a Pathfinder game and mm-hmm. You know, well, but D and D was also the same way. Like, honestly, you you start to get like five, six people. It's what can reasonably be managed, I feel, and you still give most people enough time to be in the spotlight and do the things that they want to do without being, you know, just constantly passing over people because you've only got you know, three hours and you've got 14 people at the table and everyone gets a grand total of three minutes of your time. You know, I can't play games like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm i one of those that it's more of like, I would rather have a, a smaller, tighter knit group than a really big group of people. Like I said, unless I'm running something like super epic e, so like superhero games, you can totally get away with like that. Um, you know, like I said, Pathfinder, D and D, those sorts of things. But if you're gonna run something that's a lot darker, grimmer, honestly, yeah, you're you're better with a smaller group. At least I am because I can control like how that tension that that release from tension happens without having somebody just trying to do it in the game because they're uncomfortable. Because seen, with a smaller group, you can, can, you, you're can you more focused on everyone sitting there than if you've yeah. got a big group. 
So. Uh, and that I think goes to another kind of, kind of our default kind of games that we run, want to run in that, you know, when I'm looking at five right. Voltron power Rangers. Oh yeah. Uh, TMNT. If you include splinter, I mean, those are yep. the kinds of stories I'm more likely to, to gravitate towards. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff that's a little more epic and, and kind of, Escapist for me. I prefer escapism. My games are not to deal with what I deal with in real life. Yes. Yeah, no, and that's, you know, I can totally get behind that. Uh, Because, yeah, there's all kinds of crazy, crazy games that can get really, really dark really fast. But, um, and if you already deal with a lot of dark things in your life, Play play games that are fun and and escape from the reality that is the drudgery of what you already have to deal. With. Indeed. So, all right. So, what's the next one on our list? All right, here we go. This is a this is a fun one. So, is there a system you've run at a time? And okay. It, it's worded a little funny, but okay. Has there been a game that you've run that you would never want to run again? As a well, like system. a game system that you've run before that you would never want to run again. Oof! Champions First Edition. <laughs> <laughs> Outside current champ, but no, but the first edition, because when that came out, a lot of the, you know, current, I, yeah, you, you had your blasters, your punchers, your gadgeteers, but for certain other types of, it was difficult to, to figure out how to weird in some of the uh, stranger powers, I guess. I mean, first edition was 1981. The characters yeah. in the comic books weren't that weird yet. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but trying to run that in like 2010 using first edition. There's a reason why there were like four editions before the 80s were finished. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but we tried it. His friend had a, a, you know, found a whole bunch of the books at a used bookstore. So we're like, all right, and never again. I can see that. The the yeah the the first edition is there. There's a high barrier for entry today that we kind of take for granted. Uh, someone picking it up in 1980, 81, more used to uh, war games is is going to be more yeah. apt to jump into. It was a little yeah. bit. It, it, it as much as it was kind of neat, but it did feel a lot more number crunchy versus here I come to save the day. That's because it was very number crunchy. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a yeah it's a front loaded barrier. Once you're past that, you the here I come bit occurs. But yeah, that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Gardemaje? A system I would never want to actually run again. Her. That's that actually is tough because almost every single one I have run, I would want to run again or try to run again. Just because, for whatever reason, I'm fortunate enough not to have had like games completely fall apart because of the mechanics on me. The closest to I really don't want to deal with that again might... You know, I'm kind of but I think I'm over, you know, old school traveler and, and dying while character creation is occurring. You know what? I was just going to say the only thing that I can think of that I might not ever want to run again, aside from from traveler. There's one other, but traveler first edition. Yeah, <laughs> I feel your pain on that one. It, it's it's a system. It's a legacy system. There's a lot of great stuff about it. There are. Um, Things that it it was absolutely great at, but there were also times where it's just um, it felt like a chore. Yeah, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I feel you there. So <laughs> this is gonna sound really weird, but so a long, long time ago, <laughs> like when I was in oh god, it had to be high school. No, yeah. Yeah, was, I was just starting high school. Was it a galaxy far, far away? It it was not a galaxy far, far away. It was Mount Prospect, Illinois. <laughs> Which is not far, far well, it's far for me now, but <laughs> uh but I found a copy of the ElfQuest role playing game. I didn't know that existed. Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> um Chaosium did it. Using the Chaosium system. And yeah, okay. It's, um, and now I read the original four graphic novels. I got them when I was a kid. I loved it. I remember still being able to go to the comic shop and buying the original warp graphics, like larger print issues towards the very, very end of the run. So, like, I remember when it was still being produced as an actual individual comic issue before they bound it. And then for Christmas, like, the year after I found it, I got all four of the graphic novels. And... I'm jealous on that one. I read them. I loved them. Well, if you enjoy them, you can go to Comixology and you can get the complete ElfQuest saga, which is the first four graphic novels. If you have Comixology's like premium thing, you can read them for free. <laughs> so don't waste your money doing that unless you already have a Comixology one. But yeah, you can get it through there. And it's one of the things that you can read. It's fun, but it's definitely a product of its time. But the the system that Chaosium used should not have been the same one that they were using for Call of Cthulhu and everything else that Chaosium was doing. It's the RuneQuest system. It, it, it's, yeah. I, it's one of the crunchy ones I really kind of like. But it doesn't work when telling a comic book story oh, about sure fantasy. No. No, it does not. It is, it is horrible for this. Specifically, when you're trying to do it in that world, it doesn't work. And I tried many, 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 many times to do this thing. And it is, it is horrible, and it should not be. And yet, I keep trying to find a copy of the book again. Well, I think that um, the, the, the underlying rules were released as a system resource document earlier this year for... Uh, Open li- open gaming licenses. Oh no! Yes, they were now OGL'd. Oh no! <clears throat> oh boy! Uh, well, uh, let's let's. I'm let's glad that, I'm glad our, we did have a GM battle royale with that one thing. <laughs> let's rinse our palates about this one now. See, and now I want to like dig up some of those games and things that that came from those games. Yes. Uh, I'm sure Drive Through RPG has them. Well, you mind if I if I posit the the question that Zippy had? Yes, perfect timing. <laughs> well, here's the thing: when you have to switch gears automatically, you know, because it's not like in the middle of a game, but say you're going to be running something for four people, and then two of them are sick, or you know, one of them gets called into work. What do you do? I mean, it's not like day of, but like you have only like a day or so to to plan. What are your techniques for, you know, kind of changing your mind space and shifting the gears without driving yourself absolutely batty? Okay. I I just do it. I I don't have like tricks or anything because if I have to pop the clutch and it hits the, you know, adrenaline it's just like, okay, redo, redo, strip away that, throw that in, who's left? Okay, that means I'm going to, ooh, yes, I can throw it. There, there's not a particular technique. It just kind of 
happens if you move part of you know the the, the web then the web just kind of moves around and shifts a little bit and, and then you go yeah because he was going to be running a game for four people and then two people couldn't make it and it was like the day before so he had this whole adventure planned and he had to you know shift gears and change it and he didn't want to drive himself absolutely nuts so well, he was you know there's, there's another option Okay, so I'm going to lay out a couple of options. This is what I do. Mm -hmm. So I generally try to keep, and this is going to sound really weird, but I generally try to keep a, a, a one-shot that can be run with a system that does not require the whole group. Somewhere in my back pocket. I, or I find like, and this is going to sound totally hokey, but in the same system, like you could just have a it's shopping day and let the players go shopping. Because that's another one that players like to do for some reason is go shopping. So you can do that. Or you can call the game and just be like, you know what? We lost half the group. I can't really do the story that I want to do. So we're just going to wait until next week or the next time we get together, whatever that is. So those are the three things that I try to have as like fallbacks at any moment that I'm running something. Yeah. What he ended up doing, uh, and unfortunately he couldn't call the game because it was a, a special kind of, wow, dude, we're really sorry. Your birthday's on Thanksgiving and your family doesn't really like you. So double Grammy. Yeah. What he did is he picked uh, from another game that he's running. He picked, okay, what would have uh, one of the side plots that the other group completely missed? He's like, all right, I'll use that because, yeah. yeah. But it, since he couldn't do everything that he planned and he was worried that he, since he had thought about exactly what he was going to do, he's like, he'd have a hard time kind of readjusting it on the fly. Yeah. You know, so going with something he hadn't poured all the mental energy in. So uh, we ended, he ended up doing what he liked to call a dungeon and a dragon. <laughs> so, and the best thing is, what's the first thing you go and, like, okay, you open up a door. What do you see? Four readied actions. And the players got jumped by a bunch of uh, kobolds calling everybody milk suckers. And one of the players is playing a minotaur. It's like, they are milk suckers. They brought their own cow. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was a, it was a side, it was like a, you know, the, this, a side quest, you know, little dungeon run that uh, the party didn't pick up on in a different game. So he still, it wasn't fully flesh. So he didn't have to worry about changing how he was thinking about running it. So nice. Yeah. That's another option is find something that you've done before and, Find a way to kind of like file off the serial numbers and make it new again. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Garmanje, you're very, you're very adept at modifying on the fly and being able to gauge. Well, and, uh, you're you're really good at that. I I, I look at that. I'm like, <gasps> no, I mean, it's that's not possible. Part of it's also the combination of just unique neurochemistry and, and, you know, the way I prepare. We've talked about it before where, you know, for adventures, I'm, you know, a top-down GM, but my adventures aren't, aren't railroads. They're, you know, three or four or five scenes that I, I want to see happen that are involved in what's going on. But how we get to them and from them, mostly up to the PCs. And so changing numbers doesn't necessarily mean that a needed skill is gone because there's got to be more than one way to get to every goal. And it could be that they had a much harder time, but it's the world is fleshed out enough that I'm not worried about how to get, how they will figure out how to get from A to B. Yeah. Yeah, that is one of the benefits of of top down design, is that you've got enough of it, enough of the framework laid out that 
it doesn't you don't have to have it so finely detailed that you don't have to worry you know because you don't have to worry because you know they'll get there eventually and how they get there is kind of part of the joy and you know, it's never probably the end. lead to a lot of comedy there too it's like wait a minute who had the map I thought you had the map my armor doesn't have pockets yeah <laughs> yeah I mean anything like that you know it's it's a fun way to do uh, games so yeah I need to, to try that I'll I need to, to run that. a game or two for you guys again it's it's been too long it but yeah. has. we will well, talk to try that idea so. on the on the recording. Okay, on the next, on to the next question. Next question. Next question. Okay. All right, so here we go. We're getting we're we're getting a little long here. So what we're going to do is we're going to do lightning round. Okay, because we've got bum, bum, bum. a few more left, but we are going to make this. You have to be quick about it. All right. Okay. So I'll read the question, then. Jules, you'll answer, then Gardemanger, then me. You monster. Okay. I know. All right, ready? Have you commissioned an artist for props, for like prop assets to be used in your game? Absolutely. No. Oh, heck yes. And I have not, because I make all my own props. Well, okay. Well, let's just put it this way. I can't sculpt for squat, but, and I hear, and I, I'll be honest, I do uh, getting the STL fire for a 3D printer, uh, commissioning one of those. I can still sit that commission, even though I'm printing it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Have you ever brought a uh, GMPC to your table? Besides filling an empty, like, role for the party, like, you know, for a small group? Never. I... I was in a LARP where the STs had their own PCs that they played at the same time. And no, cause nothing can, it, it left such a horrible taste in my mouth that I swore I would never do that. Okay. Yes. And not only when we had the rotating GMs in the uh, hero game where we would trade off who was running so that everyone could get to play full games. Oh, see, that's a good reason to do it. That's a legitimate reason I can see for having that. And the closest, honestly, I have ever done was, I really can't say I've brought an actual PC other than to fill like a role. Aside from, I have taken a player character that I've played in another game and brought them over as kind of like the, uh, the guy who hands out jobs to players like that's the only time i've ever brought one in really some settings and systems just are intriguing enough i want to have something but if i'm yeah. running then that's also the character that most likely is going to get shoved off off screen to do stuff yeah i mean yep. the, I, i've had a, a couple npcs that i've created that become pcs in other games but I, i've you know it's like i'm running this for the players it, yeah. So I, I kind of don't want to kind of split my mindset. Yep. So that's just okay. Me. All right. You ready? What is your favorite AP? Zen, you go first. I don't have one. I don't listen to APs. <laughs> Neo Anarchist presents Shadowrun Origins. Of course. Are you playing in that? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, for 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 ones, you know, I, I the Legends of Earthdawn that I am playing in, I am having an absolute blast. But when it comes to uh, to APs, you know, they're listen I can't listen to epics, but I do like one shots. Okay. So uh, for me, though, the some of the are, are my some of the my favorite ones are the Critical Role one shots when they did Doom or they did. Was the night before Christmas? You know, you know but, there is there is one that I did listen to for a little while. Um, I mean, I just don't listen to him because I generally, while I have a lot of time to listen to things, I don't generally listen to APs. 
just because I have so many other things to listen to. And, but I was listening to Thornvale for a little while. And uh, the girl that runs that is, is really cool. Like, she does a really good job. I like how she was running it. So, but she is also, whenever I can um, get enough time where I'm not working constantly and I can get my super secret project of doing a bunch of one shots off the ground, she is going to be playing in my DC Adventures one shot. So that's going to be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like the <laughs> characters for it are so cool. Like I've already got like it's it, there's only three players, but it's totally going to be a pretty cool idea. I like all the characters. And like when we were sitting around chatting about it one for uh, when, the point where I was getting ready to start doing it, like everybody was like, oh, my God, I could see playing an entire campaign with these characters. <laughs> so it was pretty fun. Uh, OK, next is. Oh, okay, we did that one. We did that one. Okay. Ah, here we go. And this is the last question. And it is, if you were bound to only doing one game system, what would you pick? Okay, so we're not talking worlds. We're just talking mechanic systems. One gaming system. Fate. So, fate. fate. Mm -hmm. It's probably the, the most flexible for almost any genre. And and a, not quite as expansive as GURPS, but and it's a lot easier for newbies to pick up. That's true. That's true. What about you, Gautamogeni? That is a very difficult one. But I think... I will go with honestly right now the some uh, of officially published and extant systems the current iteration of the core step system from FASA that that's underneath uh, Earth Dawn and 1879 and and, and those games uh, because I think there's the ability to scale it up and down for uh pulp to super heroic i think that it has a bias towards larger than life characters and i'm not as big on the you're playing someone who isn't special in a role-playing game settings and yeah. so i think that with tinkering it would be the one that i would be able to do the most with nice yeah we, i think everybody kind of already knows where i'm gonna go I have my suspicions. Yeah. Mm, come on. It's fate. <laughs> well, what's, here's the thing. What's your reasoning behind, like, I did it because it's flexible and it's kind of easy for noobs. You know? Um, because I like to have, okay, number one, all the characters in it are by nature, the way they're created, everyone is connected. So I don't have to try to create these arbitrary connections for players the players are required to do that as part of character creation and you have a lot, lot of flexibility in what you want to run as well as how you want to run because the players do get a little bit of the ability to not only like bring their awesome character who is supposed to be better than everyone else but see Every time they spend a fate point, that's the beauty of it, is as they spend those fate points, I collect them. And then I can use them for the bad guys or for the opposition to change things however I want them to go. Hmm. And it, it becomes kind of a, a back and forth so that it's more of truly collaborative storytelling. And that's one of the nice things with it is, is that you can really, it's about telling stories with your friends. And 
I mean, we all used to do it when we were kids with make-believe, and now this has just got a little bit of underpinning on how to do it with some some guidelines. I don't even call them rules because fate doesn't really have rules. It's got really kind of loose guidelines. And the few books that they do put out show you how you can hack the hell out of that system to do whatever you want with it. I mean, like right now, I'm working on building a, the closest way to describe it is I like Pacific Rim. Both of the movies, I don't care what people think of this, but I want to do a game where you have like three or four players and everybody is in like, you know, two mechs or, you know, one or two mechs that they can just go out and just beat the crap out of these gigantic monsters. And I think it would be amazingly fun. So I wanted to do something like that. And I'm so I'm starting to work on how to hack the system to build a mech in fate. So because it's not a piece of gear, it's something else. It's almost a character all onto itself. You're gonna have to tell me how that goes. That sounds that sounds awesome. But I want to build it, and and to do that, I'm gonna have to do some work and I don't have as much time to work on it as I would like, but I do want to build it and I want to play it at some point. And, you know, I'll get there. It may not be in the next six months, you know, until all this craziness that is, you know, COVID right now settles down. But, you know, as I get time to work on it, I'm working on it. And so, yeah. But that's why I love Fate. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I can do that. And then in the same game system, like I have this creepy, dark, like, uh, you are the children of like people that were experimented on to create psychics. And you are exponentially more powerful than your parents were. And you have this group following you and hunting for you because you are what they hoped from the first generation. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I've gone from like crazy, like, you know, beating up monsters in giant robots to ultra dark and I can do it all in the same game system. That's what makes it cool. And that's one of the things that I like about it. So. Mm-hmm. Not a bad choice. No, I like yours too. I just haven't played around with it enough since like first edition earth. <laughs> there are serious improvements by fourth edition and it frees up a lot of some of the, hiccups that were unintended um, and also I think creates a, a more easily modifiable structure for uh, porting and modding. But again, cool. wholly different conversation for an episode when we're not already as far in as we are. <laughs> yeah, we are, we are getting, uh, we are really long right now. So I am going to say, uh, we have shout outs. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. But I kind of want everyone to go check out the show notes and see what they are. Or are we just going to do them anyway? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's do them. We're almost, we're almost at an hour, so it'll be a really long episode. Yeah. Let's so we'll cut this short. Yep. Can we do that? Yep. All right. Jules, what do you got? I've got a completely wacky anime on Netflix called Doro Hedoro. And yes! it is amazing. Uh, we ended up binging it in, uh, I'd say, two days. And good acting. It's a really good 
like voice acting, like a lot of the emotions, the uh-huh. fight scenes are delightful, and it's a really kind of like it, bizarre. It, yeah, but it's it's not like JoJo bizarre. This is like okay, there's a lot of intrigue, but it doesn't feel like you know like a murder mystery or a you know a political intrigue. It's the all right, what the what the doodad is going on here, and yeah. it's. It's absolutely delightful, and the animation's great. And I, I, they put in there, and one of just the little things they they have a god of of uh, I can't remember the of buns, and it's just you know he goes around he's like if you don't do this right, and he's like you know <laughs> like this is how you should eat these buns, and it's adorable. It, it's just one of those little side things that makes it even cute, but it's good. It's intriguing. The animation's good. The art style's the most wacky I've ever seen. And it's great. Yeah, it is. It is fun. Mm-hmm. So who's next? I'll go next. So I started watching Jericho. I don't know if you've ever seen this show. Mm-hmm. I don't remember where it originally came out. So the premise is, is that it's like the day. So the first The pilot takes place the day of a nuclear attack in America. And it's not from what you understand at the at the end of the first episode is Denver has been wiped out. And you're sure that Atlanta has also been wiped out, but no one knows where any of the others are gone. Like where the rest of it is. It all takes place in this little town in Kansas called Jericho. And it is, as it goes on, you're finding more and more out about what actually happened. And it's interesting on how a place that would be isolated enough to have survived multiple nuclear strikes across the U S how it survives what they do and the kinds of people they become as it goes further and further along. Because like in the beginning, they don't have power, but after a little bit, they all of a sudden power comes back on. It's on for a little while and then it goes away again. And like all these other random things that like as the actual infrastructure blows apart in the in the country, you see how it affects this little bitty town out in the middle of nowhere. But if you ever on a post-apocalyptic game, like the the seconds after the bomb goes off, watch this show because a lot of it is how people, real people, would react in a lot of these situations. And watch the background characters. Don't watch the main characters. Watch the background characters, because they're the ones that are actually doing things that are the way that real people would react to these things. So if you ever want to run something that's like that close to shortly after the apocalypse has started, that's the show to watch. Sounds, I have to look that up. It sounds interesting. It's on Netflix right now, so I think there's like three seasons of it. I'm about halfway through the first season. Get some nuts. Yeah, it's I. I kind of saw the very end of it apparently, but I don't remember it. <laughs> My wife watched it, and then she was like, "Oh, you need to watch this." So, I well, started. And- yeah, for my recommendation this time is, you know, this episode's coming out around the the winter holidays, and uh, take some time to sit back and think. Uh, your life, your friends, what 2020 may have shined a light on for a lot of us with its really uh, unique structure and uh, challenges. Listen to Odd Lang Sang and think about it and, and what it's asking you to uh, reflect on. Okay, so I know this is way late into the show, but I wanted to give everyone a little heads up 
So this episode will be coming out on the 17th. There will be a super secret special episode that is going to drop on Christmas Eve. There will actually be two episodes that day. But the following week, because we're going to do that super special one, is New Year's Eve. We are not going to be doing anything for the show during the week between Christmas and New Year's. So there will be no show that week. (laughs) Just so everybody knows. We will be starting up bright and early on the... We'll probably start on like the 7th. We're going to start like the very first Thursday after the first of the year and then be going from there. So, hope you guys have fun. But, in addition, get out there. Well, don't get out there. Stay indoors right now because it's fucking COVID. Follow all appropriate guidance from your local health and governmental entities with regard to social distancing and mask wearing while you roll some dice. Play some games. And have fun. Thanks for checking in. It was a blast sharing our thoughts and ideas on our topic. We hope that you had a great time with us and could hardly wait to share the next show. In the meantime... Let us know how you handle this topic in your own games. You can find us on most social media platforms, especially Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to follow us, search for Seize the GM. And if you just want to follow one of us, search for our names on the social media platform of your choice, or go to SeizeTheGM.com for convenient links. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted material referenced herein are held by the respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is Once again, thanks to you, our listeners. We hope you gained some ideas for your ongoing games. Or the inspiration to run your first. Well, get out there and play some games. Roll some dice. Be safe, and you'll hear from us again soon.